Hello and welcome to episode 19 of the CyberSense Power Up Podcast. I am Dr. Dustin Weissman. I practice psychology at Neurosense Psychology in Calabasas, California, where I specialize in problematic internet use and internet addictions, as well as facilitate individual and group therapy and administer neuropsychological assessments. Today's episode, the title is a little different and it's supposed to be said like this. Google say what? So there was an article I came across that was written by termlifetogo.com, which I think is a life insurance uh, company, but what they did was pretty fascinating. So the name of the article is titled, What Mental Health Concerns Does Your State Google Most? So we're looking at which state, or state by state, what was being looked at in terms of mental health issues. So to do this, they actually used some mental health sites like NAMI, Talkspace, and mentalhealth.gov to compile a list of the most common mental health conditions along with their corresponding symptoms and stressors. Then they ran each of the conditions, stressors, and symptoms through Google Trends to identify which mental health concerns were searched most frequently in each state over the past year. So I was thinking maybe just sharing the ones that related to internet addiction and social media concerns, but I thought this is just too great. I have to share all the results that they did. So I'm just going to read it off and you get to enjoy. Internet addiction, major depressive disorder, and memory loss tied for America's most Googled mental health concerns. Again, pause the reading for a second to just highlight that people are looking up internet addiction as much as they are major depressive disorder and memory loss. And there's nothing that they're looking for more when it comes to mental health. That's pretty remarkable because this internet addiction is still a new term. It's not even a diagnosable condition yet. So to have that many people looking for a non-traditional diagnosable term is fantastic in my opinion for what I'm doing. But it's also a little scary because people are recognizing there's a problem, but we don't yet have the resources to help. And I'll talk a little bit later in the podcast about the World Health Organization and the strides that they're continuing to make with their ICD-11, International Classification of Disorders, uh, 11th edition that will come out in 2022. But back to this study and findings, uh, Arizona, Maryland, and South Carolina residents Googled stress at work, while Georgians and Pennsylvanians searched for info about stress headaches. Oklahoma ranked high for low sex drive, which is related to concerns about a low libido, which people from the Sooner State are also Googling in droves. Ohioans, if that's a real word, sounds funny, they were the only ones concerned about their potentially obsessive love for, wait for it, coffee. So Ohioans love their coffee. Seasonal affective disorder was the most Googled concern in Alaska, which makes sense because uh, residents can go days without seeing the sun in winter. Utah's most Googled concern was postpartum depression, that's not surprising, considering the CDC routinely places Utah in the top 10 states for highest birth rates. 
The most Googled concern in New Hampshire was hyperactivity, a symptom of ADHD. And not surprisingly, ADHD came in as a uh, close second for that state. So number one, hyperactivity, and then number two, just ADHD or attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Missouri was the only state concerned about its social media habits. But I think that is remarkable that the number one term Googled when it comes to mental health in the state of Missouri is social media. So I'm guessing we have a lot of influencers over there in Missouri. Massachusetts, Oregon, Virginia, and Washington worried about full-blown internet addiction. So that's the main term they were searching. New York, home of one of the most expensive cities in the nation, googled financial stress more than any term. Alcoholism is in the top mental health concern for internet searches in Minnesota, New Mexico, and Wyoming. Uh, they also had a picture graphic or an infographic on this particular study. And on it, you can see the breakdown of states by what their number one term was. And for those of us in California, which I imagine most of my listeners at least at the time of this recording, are coming from California, is, any guesses? Intimacy issues. So we have our nice, what, close to 50% divorce rate. So it doesn't surprise me too much that that was one of our main concerns. For Nevada, it was insomnia. For my eating disorder friends in Maine, it was anorexia. For my OCD specialist listeners, in Vermont, it was OCD. And in Rhode Island, it was social anxiety. So definitely a very interesting study. I'm fascinated by this one. It's so interesting to see what people are searching for online, especially when it comes to mental health. There's a lot more I didn't say, but you can go to the website, which you can find linked at the bottom of the description of this podcast, termlife2go.com slash most dash googled dash mental dash health dash concerns. There you go. Moving forward with your mental health was the next kind of section they talked about. They said, arming yourself with knowledge about mental health is a great way to start taking care of your well-being. But as folks who googled internet addiction have found, this method has its pitfalls. When we try to self-diagnose, instead of seeking professional help, we run the risk of spending our days heading down the wrong path. If you're concerned about your mental health, the best thing you can do is talk to a professional, psychiatrists, psychologists, counselors, and other mental health pros help folks like you each day using their extensive training and expertise in mental health. They help folks understand their mental well-being and learn new strategies for feeling better. I really love that this article highlights the importance of consulting with mental health professionals. For a long time, it was taboo to go and talk to somebody about some kind of mental health issue. Then once the internet came about, people started doing their own homework and we still do today. I mean, WebMD is a perfect example of that where people will look online and see, okay, well, what's going on and get some information. And that's probably what you did now to find this podcast is you found it online and you're getting some more information which is fantastic and it's a great starting point. 
if these issues are very prominent in your life, then that's where it might require taking the next step of talking to somebody who specializes in this area, whether it is the caffeine addiction or social anxiety or a specific phobia or anything mental health related, talking to either a specific person in the field or a team of people. That might be the best approach. So I just want to applaud this article, even though their goal might be to drive business for them. I do like that they use the resources and time and effort towards gathering this information that is what I believe worthwhile to share and just to know what the country is concerned about. And having internet addiction as one of the top concerns in the United States of America is very powerful knowledge because we can take that and we can start to implement changes. And hopefully we can get some insurance companies on board or some government backing to help support research and treatment opportunities for those who are struggling. And as I keep talking about in this podcast, there's lots of innovative programs and changes in politics that are really recognizing that we have an issue that is changing the course of humanity and how we function. I'm going to take a little break, but when we do come back, I've got an article I found by Anya Kamenitz, who is an author of a fantastic book on screen time that I will tell you all about. The book I mentioned is called The Art of Screen Time, and the author is Anya Kamenitz. And she also wrote this article for NPR titled, Is Gaming Disorder an Illness? WHO Says Yes, Adding It to Its List of Diseases. And if you don't know, WHO is World Health Organization. And last year, they decided to declare that gaming disorder is an actual diagnosis that will be included in the ICD, or International Classification of Diseases, in the 2022 version, I believe. And I think this is very relevant to the first half of the podcast in talking about what people are looking up. They're looking up internet addiction as one of the top three search categories. And we have all this research coming out. And this article just came out May 28th, 2019. So in it, she talks about how Just a few days prior, on May 25th, the World Health Organization officially voted to adopt the latest edition of its International Classification of Diseases, or ICD, as I mentioned, to include an entry on gaming disorder as a behavioral addiction. So it'll be a legitimate addiction diagnosis that people can receive, which will hopefully mean uh, insurance reimbursement. So according to the Pew Research Center, 97% of teen boys and 83% of girls play games on some kind of device. And a lot of the stuff I'm going to be talking about is going to be from Anya's article here in NPR. And she goes on to say that the World Health Organization states that the criteria doesn't include a certain amount of hours spent playing. Instead, the description is of someone who might have an inability to stop playing even though it may interfere with other areas of their life, such as school, work, or sleep, and that these problems would typically 
continue for at least one year. So moving forward to looking at the Diagnostic and Statistic Manual, or the DSM, 5th edition, that was published in 2013, they did include Internet Gaming Disorder as a condition for further study, and it is not an official diagnosis as of this time here in the States or actually abroad if you're using the ICD because the new ICD hasn't come out yet. There are still many people who are on the fence about this being a diagnostic condition or even on the other side of the fence saying this should not be a diagnostic condition. So Dr. Douglas Gentile of Iowa State University, he's been researching the effects of media on children for decades. And he said, I came to this issue out of a place of deep skepticism, addicted to video games, that can't be right. However, he goes on to say that, quote, I've been forced by data to accept that it's a problem. Addiction to video games and internet use defined as serious dysfunction in multiple aspects of your life that achieves clinical significance does seem to exist. So even those who were once on the other side of the fence or maybe naysayers are starting to see the data and it's starting to sway them because research is coming in and showing that mm, maybe this is an actual legitimate mental health diagnosis. Contributing to this research was an article titled A Parent Report Measure of Screen Time Media Addiction in Children, which was spearheaded by Sarah Demoff, who was the lead author on the study. And she also runs a, the Problematic Media Assessment and Treatment Clinic at the Center for Children, Families, and Communities at Central Michigan University. She works with young people directly and also trains pediatricians to spot problems with screens and to offer help to families. She says that problems with video games often are found in children who also have a diagnosis such as ADHD or autism spectrum, while young people who have problems with social media are more likely to have a diagnosis such as depression or anxiety. Rather than go cold turkey on technology, she focuses on helping families with harm reduction, such as keeping devices out of the bedroom and making sure that young people go to school, spend time with friends and play outdoors, and do other outside activities. I would like to highlight that I like her approach in tapering down, because cold turkey is quite difficult to do, and there's probably a higher percent chance for relapse when you just take it away completely. But if you're tapering it down and have an easier transition, it could be a lot smoother and more successful, especially when working in an outpatient setting. If you're in an inpatient setting, going cold turkey is ideal because you can do the work while the internet distractions are gone. So it's all about matter of reintegrating the internet back in in a safe manner with some kind of wraparound or still while in the confines of the residential or uh, intensive outpatient setting. So if you don't have that kind of control on a situation, yeah, going to taper down is going to be the most effective, and that's what we're seeing so far in the field. And speaking of fields, they've got plenty at a place called Outback in Utah. No, not the restaurant. This is a wilderness therapy program, and they offer exactly that, wilderness therapy. Get completely disconnected, out in nature, 
and I've been looking at some of these programs in terms of sending some of my clients to because it's just such a great way to detox people in a safe confine when there's a therapeutic component to it, but also get them reintegrated with themselves and nature, two very important things for success in mental well-being. So they have a quote from here from a uh, client who went to a wilderness program. And he says, I started playing video games when I was around nine years old. I played because I found it fun. Because after a while, I played mostly because I preferred it over socializing and confronting my problems. Pretty standard, I think, a representation of many of our adolescents today. So after he spent weeks hiking through wilderness, his mother actually reported seeing a lot of improvement in both his demeanor and his focus. So I want to talk a little bit about a summer camp for internet addiction. And last year they had it in California and North Carolina. The California one was actually pretty close to me in Santa Barbara. And Dr. Bishop is the one who runs the therapeutic program for internet addiction. And he says that teens who come there fall into two broad categories. There are the ones who are overwhelmingly boys that spend too much time playing video games. In his words, they fall behind in their social skills. Often they're battling depression or anxiety, or they may be on the autism spectrum. Then there's the group of mostly girls who misuse and overuse social media. They may have sent inappropriate pictures of themselves, they may have received bullying from online, they may even be the bullies, or they could just be struggling to keep up with their social media profiles. So these are another uh, type of people that they get at the program. But regardless of the problem, Bishop says, we feel the issue is best conceptualized as a habit over an addiction. When teens think about their behavior as a habit, they're more empowered to change. Labeling someone as an addict, essentially saying he or she has a chronic disease, is a powerful move. And it may be especially dangerous for teens who are in the process of forming their identities, says Maya Salovitz. She goes on to talk about how in today's world, technology may be more like food than it is like alcohol. Video games or social media may be avoidable, but most students need to use computers for assignments, build technology skills for the workplace, and learn to combat distraction and procrastination as part of growing up. So going back to Dr. Bishop, I actually spoke with him right before recording this segment, and we had a wonderful chat about the treatment that he's doing there over this year in Pennsylvania, and what he did last year, and just what he's doing in his day-to-day. I haven't seen the summer camp firsthand, but the way he describes it and his treatment approach sounds spot on. So looking at all this, from what people are searching for online to what people are doing in terms of treatment to what others are classifying as a mental health condition, we're making good strides in the advancement of cyber psychology and recognizing internet addictions as legitimate problems that our country is facing. We're having it on both ends. People are looking for treatment, and now treatment will be offered for them with these new classifications of disorders. So I think 
this is fantastic. I mean, how often do things align where you're seeing that people are really starting to get worried about something, and at the same time, the people who can give that care are starting to recognize the same issue. So I imagine in the next few years, we're gonna see a lot of treatment options explode in this area. We're gonna have a lot of residential care, we have a lot of outpatient care, lots of clinics coming about, and I think this is gonna be a much bigger international dynamic in terms of the treatment and we already have a lot of it in Asia. So we're a little behind the times over here in America, but I think we're catching up quickly. And hopefully by 2022, when the new ICD comes out, we'll be set up to treat people who really need it and get people focused and off tech so much and reintegrated with the real world and each other. Thank you for listening. And I hope that you gained something today besides just wondering what Google's saying. So maybe now we should ask, Alexa, search internet addiction. I'm not sure what went wrong. Yeah, me neither. We'll fix it.